Chapter 44, End of a Dream We celebrated our arrival in Antalya, the midpoint of Turkey, by resting a few days, before continuing towards Alanya. Our three-month visitor visas were expiring, and the fastest way to renew them was to take a ferry from Alanya to Girne in Cyprus and to buy new visas upon our return. It was during this time that Alberto and I decided to re-enter Turkey, not in Alanya, but in Tajuchu, a coastal town 250 kilometers ahead. The decision was mine, and it was agonizing to make. Our map indicated not only a mountainous route between Alanya and Tajuchu, but long distances and few places to stop. My battle, however, was not with the kilometers. The perfectionist side of me demanded that we walk and looked at other options as cheating. When we took a bus, it was because we were sick. When we accepted a ride, it was for a purpose that served the way of peace. No such purpose existed now. I finally accepted the fact that there was no right way to walk and there was no such thing as a perfect pilgrim. I made peace with my inner tyrant and felt liberated. The rough waters tossed our small ferry mercilessly in its crossing to Cyprus. I felt nauseous despite the anti-nausea medication and endured the retching and vomiting of passengers for the entire five-hour trip. The crew passed out the vomit bags and sprayed cologne to kill the smell, but with little success. Alberto seemed strangely unaffected by it all. I was happy to see dry land. At our hostel that evening, Alberto confided that he was beginning to understand why he had been struggling so much. From the time I was a child, he explained, I was taught to place God above all else. Any time that I did anything for simple pleasure, and that did not include a higher purpose, I began to feel guilty and subconsciously sabotage myself, fearing that I was moving away from the right path. I thought I had overcome all these feelings after my spiritual awakening, but I see now that I have slipped back into that pernicious habit of feeling guilty and of judging myself. I think it all started with our relationship and the natural desire to focus on us. We began sleeping in hostels, eating out in restaurants more often, and rarely calling on the churches. We were also walking at an hour when most people are still asleep, and so we had even less outside contact. Even when I refused to admit it, I felt I was turning my back on God. I don't believe we need to suffer just because we're pilgrims, I said. Wealth and comfort are not incompatible with a spiritually fulfilling life. I know you're right, he said. I see now how much my Catholic upbringing has influenced my beliefs. I can almost hear their voices saying, how can you spend so much money on hotels and food when so many people are homeless and dying from hunger? How can you be happy when so many are suffering? The better I was living, the guiltier I was feeling, forgetting all that I had learned. Today, I know that the best help I can offer the poor is to show them that scarcity only exists in our minds, in our vision of things. An old proverb says, give a man a fish and feed him for a day. Teach him to fish and feed him for a lifetime. God denies us nothing. We alone do that. True abundance, just like love and peace, 
is inside of us. I'm not sure the world is ready for this message, I answered. We can't tell those who are suffering that the real problem is in their minds. Probably not, Alberto agreed. But true help cannot be material only. Even as we nourish the hungry, physically or emotionally, we must pass along our intention that they learn to feed themselves and that they awaken to the abundance within them. If we help them from the same vision that they have of themselves, we only reinforce the mistaken belief that they are powerless victims who need to be saved. Feeling guilty for their circumstances is a warning bell that we are falling into their same perspective. I see that so clearly now. That's why tonight I broke that oppressive pact and renewed my true pact with God. From now on, I welcome all abundance that comes into my life and will enjoy it. It felt good to hear him speak with such conviction, like the Alberto of old, and hoped this episode marked the return of the man I had fallen in love with. On October 2, 2002, we re-entered Turkey with another three-month visa that I hoped we wouldn't need to complete our Turkish experiment. Alberto's restored confidence seemed to impel him to pursue with even greater intensity his interest in the way of the wizard, the world of magic. He had been practicing throughout our time in Turkey, but now pursued it with vigor. Despite his assurances that he was simply developing his mind potential, to me it was still a world that I associated with darkness and sorcery. Able to easily see symbols and interpret them, Alberto read the coffee grinds and the tea leaves of anyone who asked. He read the clouds and received with greater frequency messages from all that surrounded him. He practiced with regularity, guessing the suit of playing cards, accurately guessing more than half of the cards correctly. He focused on picking a specific card from the deck and did so with increasing precision. He even affirmed that he moved a pencil with his mind once. I wanted to share his enthusiasm, but resisted, fearing delving into an unknown that could slip beyond my control. I also found no practical purpose in pursuing this. Alberto, however, was as a child with a new toy, pestering me to play along. And so I did, trying to guess the suit of a card he held in his hands or to pull out a specific card from the deck. I wasn't taking it seriously and looked at my ability to guess correctly as owing to chance. When we finished each other's sentences or guessed what the other was thinking, I took it as nothing more than the result of two people spending way too much time together. More disconcerting to me, however, was that I was receiving signs suggesting that I follow this path. Billboards I would pass or pieces of paper at my feet would speak in English of psychic powers and changing realities. The most impacting, however, was a dream that I had where a man's voice, someone who I was convinced was an angel, was telling me to support Alberto in this important work because he needed my help. It had felt so real that I woke up trembling. One afternoon in our room, I absently turned on the television and saw the word Alberto in large rainbow letters appear on the screen. Surprised, I call out for Alberto to watch it with me. The program, called Alev Alev Alberto, 
was a live call-in show to a psychic named Alberto, who read the caller's tarot cards. Beyond my initial shock was the outlandish manner in which the psychic was dressed. A large wig, garish makeup, and colorful clothing. I was prepared to live with a man who read tarot cards, but not one who looked like Dame Edna. My Alberto's hearty laughter and assurances that he owned no such wigs or dresses was little comfort to the clear and humorous message I was receiving. As if to underline the point, as soon as that program ended, the movie Matrix, a favorite of Alberto's, began to play. I had yet to see it, mainly because I dislike violent movies, but Alberto coaxed me into watching, explaining that beyond the conspiracy plot and the fight scenes, it spoke beautifully to the illusory nature of reality and the infinite potential we all possess. Now imagine, he enthused, holding out his hand for me to sit beside him. Imagine that behind this matrix or illusion in which we live are hidden not the dark world of machines shown in the film, but rather the wise and divine love that you and I already know. I did watch the movie to the end and found that it helped me better understand the inner world of Alberto, a world I still didn't fully comprehend and which left me with many concerns. We walked, Alberto ever more confident in his abilities and now trying to manipulate clouds and create refreshing breezes while I grew more silent and begged for clarity. Surely you're not asking me to follow Alberto's way, I reflected. What happens to my way? What happens to my Jerusalem? That was the dream that launched me on this walk. Am I to give it all up now to pursue something I don't understand and see no use for? My battle with the universe raged into Merson with no clear answers. A long shower soothed me, and when I came out to our room, it was with a renewed calm. Until I saw a man on the television screen using his mental powers to make his pipe float in the air. I was trying to move a coin with my mind and saw this when I turned on the television, Alberto said cautiously, yet unable to hide the sparkle in his eyes. I never felt as strapped as I did in that moment. There was nowhere to hide or flee, for the universe would find me and haunt me with its signs. So I sat beside Alberto and watched the movie. The scene continued with this grandfatherly looking man explaining that he moved the pipe by concentrating his mind on it, that it was something anyone could do if they focused their attention and understood that they and the pipe were one, that no separation existed between them, just as no separation exists among human beings in the universe. He was able to guess cards accurately, bend spoons, and move objects with his mind. His parting advice was that there comes a time when one must be willing to risk everything without fearing what anyone else thinks. I couldn't speak. The movie credits rolled past, and soon another movie started. Its title was Turn of Faith. Enough, I yelled, turning off the television and rushing out of the room, Alberto close to my heels and into the waiting elevator. The lone advertising was of two angels, each blowing a trumpet, and the word believe 
between them in bold, colorful letters. I rushed out of the hotel and wandered the busy streets of Mersin. Alberto occasionally reached for my hand, but I pulled it away. We entered bookstores and browsed their selection of English books, but I wasn't paying attention. We stopped at an internet cafe and checked email. Look at this, Alberto said, motioning for me to look at his screen. In bold capital letters was an email from a charitable organization with my name in large bold letters stating, Monica still needs your help. I stood up and walked away. I wanted to keep going, to disappear among the crowds. And I did for a long time. I eventually stopped at a small cafe. The anguish had dissipated and I now felt weak and exposed. I don't know my purpose or mission anymore, Alberto, I whispered. I see the signs, but I don't know what the universe wants me to do. I feel as if it's asking me to support something that I don't understand, and that scares me. Magic has a dark side too, and I don't know if you're wise enough to handle something so powerful. I don't know if I am either. I think you're being invited to be a more conscious creator of your life, nothing more, Alberto assured. You started walking by following signs and believing in what you were doing, and that's great. But I think there comes a time when you have to take control of a tremendous gift that we have all been given, and to exercise the power of God that is within us. But what about my dreams, Alberto? I pleaded. What happens to them? Do I abandon them and follow you in your quest? I don't know if I can or want to do that. I don't even know if our missions are still compatible. I don't think you have to give up your dream of working for peace in Jerusalem, Alberto assured. Maybe the signs are just asking you to be open to other possibilities beyond just physically being there. Working for peace can take many forms that you can't even imagine right now. I shook my head sadly. I feel as if my dream is dead, I wept. And all I have is your dream to follow. I feel unimportant, and all that I wanted to do cast away. Alberto held my hand and let me cry. All I could hear was the pounding in my head. All I could feel was a terrible ache and emptiness in my heart. Maybe I don't want to admit it, I sniffed. But I guess I'm afraid of what people will think when I tell them you're a wizard, a psychic, or whatever label you choose. Can you imagine telling my father? I choked out, laughing with Alberto. Let me read your coffee cup, Alberto suggested. We'll ask what will happen if you follow this path of magic. I had turned my coffee cup over and not even realized it. Alberto examined it for a few moments and then smiled broadly, turning it around for me to see. Jumping out of the cup, was a perfectly shaped, large, white dove. Near it was my name again, not as clear as the dove, but easily made out. I believe your way of peace is leading you in that direction, Moni, Alberto said.